Hello, and welcome back to another episode of They Made Another One, where each week we discuss oft-forgotten installments in a franchise and see if you should check it out all for yourself. I'm one of your hosts, Mitch, and with me I have Liam. In the words of Corey, I have COVID. Very nice. Very nice. <laughs> and as I always say when we do a TMAO After Dark, when the cat is gone, the mice will play. <laughs> you do always say that. That's true. Yep. Thank God he's gone, am I right? Oh my gosh. Yeah, before before we get to today's episode topic, you know, why don't we just uh, give some first impressions of, of Corey? What do you really think of this guy who's not here? <sighs> that about sums it up. Yeah, I don't really have that much to say about him. That might be the most damning thing that you could say, really. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry he's sick. He doesn't deserve to be sick, but, you know. It's pretty cool that he's not here. <laughs> Corey's going to be editing this, everybody. So um, anything that sounds mean, just know that uh, it is mean and he will he will hear it directly as he's editing the episode. Okay, so um, this is a bit different. You know, Mitch gave that beautiful uh, introduction there describing what this podcast is. From memory, uh, we could tell. And... Um, this is going to be different. We're not going to be doing that today. We're not going to be discussing an oft-forgotten installment in a franchise. Um, Mitch and I thought it would be fun to just throw out the rule book, say, you know what, we're not just going to talk about one movie. We're not even going to watch a movie in prep. What we're instead going to do in a spirit of after-dark griminess, uh, and after-dark is, of course, something that we ushered in with our review of uh, Gator Bait 2, Cajun Justice. However, many months ago, Mitch and I did that. Um, and Mitch and I also did an episode together without Corey uh, on the VHS series, which was also kind of grimy. So we realized that Mitch and I just uh, we we work well together when we're a bit when we're a bit dirty. And so what we're going to do. Today, I, yeah. Yeah. Corey and I did an after dark as well, actually. How was that? Was that equally as dirty? No, it was a it was a cleaner affair. It was a Lucio Fulci film. We the, did Zombie right, right, too. Yeah. Yeah, which isn't really a sequel to anything. I mean, we kind of bent the rules for that one, but that's what After Dark is for. That's right. It's it's all about rule bending. And so rules today, were made to be broken. <laughs> today we're gonna break so many rules. Rule one that we're gonna break is uh, when we get to the end of the episode, I am I'm not gonna thank a certain person. Not because they don't deserve to be thanked, just because it's a rule that we always thank these people. I'm not gonna thank someone. Are you, is that Corey? Are we going to thank him for editing the episode and for posting to our social media and for, for keeping our, our podcast going? Are we going to thank him for that? No, no come on. <laughs> um, and, and what we're going to do is Mitch and I are just going to kind of go back and forth. We're going to chop heads a little bit and we're just going to we're going to recommend some dirty horror movies maybe they won't all be dirty i mean dealer's choice but we're just going to recommend some underseen perhaps underappreciated horror movies to each other we don't know what the other person is going to talk about we don't know if we've collectively seen these movies or if we haven't we're just going to see where the conversation takes us and and by the end of it hopefully uh people have a list of uh, some some dirty movies they can and when i say dirty i don't mean pornographic but perhaps by the end of the night i do mean pornographic i don't know what you have on that list maybe Mitch. we'll see where the conversation goes we might steer it right into the rocks 
That's right. So so why don't we just get why don't we uh jump right into it in the words of uh Corey Price quoting Philip DeFranco. Do you do you have a movie you wanna you wanna bring up here? I think it's better if you start. Yeah? Okay. Well yeah. I'll, I'll start. I'm not afraid. I don't I don't even need to look at my list to start. I'll do it off the dome just like you. Wow. Um I'm gonna bring up a movie that I think is very accessible um to start things up. And maybe we'll get grimier as the night goes on. I think this is a very accessible horror movie. Um, I should also say that I I intentionally picked out horror movies that aren't parts of franchises, um, aren't installments that we might get to in the future, don't have remakes, nothing like that. Because I feel like uh, either I've probably talked about, if I did that, I would have talked about these movies in passing or maybe exclusively, you know, I've, I've talked about my love for a lot of you know, Friday the 13th movies or Texas Chainsaw movies or whatever. And so I, I wanted to talk about movies that I probably aren't, aren't going to get a uh, chance to ever talk about on this podcast. So these are all one and done single movies. Um, and the first one I'm going to bring up is a, is a recent one. Um, and I, it, it got some fanfare when it came out, for sure. It, it was it was quite well received. But I think if you if anyone missed this one, uh, I want to bring it back on their radar. It's called Ready or Not. Did you see that movie, Mitch? I didn't. Ready or Not, dude. It's it's a really cool movie. Ready or Not is about um, this uh, couple who's getting married at um, at the groom's family's house and he has a very rich family a family who sounds uh, like gator bay 2 already <laughs> uh a fa- every movie i'm gonna pick tonight has some relation to gator bait 2 either thematically right. or uh in its uh in its title um this one is more thematic so there's there's this this groom and he has a he's comes from a very rich family he uh is part of a family that is is very famous for um their their ancestor, uh, not too distant ancestor, has created a board game. And so this family just, like, loves games. They have all sorts of games in their big-ass mansion. Um, And so they say to this bride, uh, who is played so well by Samara Weaving, who people will recognize from uh, the beginning of Scream 6, and they'll recognize her from um, The Babysitter, uh, Bill and Ted Face the Music, um... And they say to this bride, hey, uh, it's tradition that on the wedding day, you have to play a game with the family, and then you're part of the family. And so they they start up a game of hide and seek, but then it turns out that uh, this family has more nefarious plans than uh, this this bride would hope for, and they start hunting her right there in the mansion. Um, Why they're doing it? Well, I don't want to say. If they're successful, I don't want to say. But it's it's a really really cool movie. It's it's super fun and and it it's witty. You know, this isn't a horror movie that's gonna scare anyone, but it is very thrilling. It's bloody. Um, so I I would call it a horror comedy. Uh, it it has a a swing for the fences ending that people's um, opinion of might differ. In in fact, I saw this movie in the theater. I was very excited for it because of the premise. You know, I, I love game horror movies, of which there are quite a lot of, and I, I love horror movies that take place in, in one location. Um, so I, I thought this was a great setup. Um, and 
I came away from it kind of kind of middling. I, I would have given it like a, a six out of ten. Um, I wasn't too pleased with the ending. Um, but I tell you what, I watched this movie again a little while later, and it was one of those movies that that jumped up for me, and everything worked. Now that I was familiar with where the movie was going, and I I thought about it in a bit of a different way, this movie became a ten out of ten to me. Um, even though it's bloody, I do think it's very accessible. It's a party movie. You could show this to even your family members, as long as they're okay with a bit of gore. You know, you could show this to your mom, and I think that <laughs> they would have a they would likely have a good time with it. So I would suggest checking that one out, Mitch. What do you think about that? It sounds interesting. I mean, it sounds like it straddles the line of like a classic thriller too. Like it's got the it's got the formula of like you know the the most dangerous game kind of vibe, where uh, people are being hunted. Yes. Um, yeah, it sounds like a it sounds like an interesting movie. I mean, hide and go seek on your wedding day. What or your, the eve of your wedding? What yeah. could go wrong? What could go wrong? <laughs> That's right. With your eccentric, wealthy boyfriend's family. Yikes! <laughs> it sounds good. It sounds like a a real keeper. Yeah, That's cool. Ready yeah. or ready or not, I'll have to check that one out. Yeah. What do you got for me? I've got, I've got a good one. Um. So this one is called "Let's Scare Jessica to Death" from 1971. Mm. Okay. Have you, have you heard of it? I've I have heard of it. I haven't seen it, but I've always thought it's one of my favorite horror movie titles. Um, it's a great title, and since it came out in 1971, it's garnered uh, much more popularity. It had a budget of two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and its opening week it made forty seven thousand dollars, a little over that. Um, so wasn't like wildly successful. It sat in a shelf for a while and was picked up by Paramount. Um, but it's a really interesting movie directed by a guy named John Hancock, who I haven't really seen too many of his other films, but this is a really cool film from the early seventies and right with the, the hippie movement and all that. And it's loosely based off the turn of the screw, which the innocent is, is based off of as well. So it's a bit of a retelling of that story. It's about a woman, but without like, uh, like the governess angle or anything like that. It's, it's more it's set in contemporary times in the seventies. And um, it's about this woman who comes back from a mental institution and she's in the care of her husband and he's like an out of work musician and they move to this fantastic big white elephant of a house on a hillside and beneath the hillside is this uh, foggy sprawling lake and the, uh, the central character she starts seeing the vision of this uh, woman, this drowned out woman in the lake and very pale and it's coming towards her and she keeps hearing whispering of her name. But there's uh, a level of, of, of psychology at work here as well because, I mean, she was just released from a mental institution so you can't really tell as the viewer what's real and what's not. There's a reasonable uh, foundation of doubt and... It turns out that maybe this vision actually is real and maybe it's a vampire and uh it's a really fucking cool movie set in in uh, i think connecticut but it's a it's just like a a very cool 70s spooky film that i think was definitely underseen when it came out and it's a cult classic since then criterion put it out in its 70s horror thing i think in 2021 and that's where i first saw it and i really enjoyed it so it makes my list that sounds really cool. So what kind of subgenre does that fall into? Is it a, like a ghost haunted movie? Yeah, I'd say it's like a ghost movie, a ghost film. 
but it's also uh, like a, a psychological kind of horror or um yeah i guess like a ghost story uh uh like a woman who, like you know there's like there's so many films about women that are that are paranoid of, of like ghosts and stuff like that in the tradition of the turn of the screw yeah it's kind of like that like the haunting is another example so many others cool so it's it's a really cool movie i highly recommend it cool yeah i'm writing all these down and i i urge the listeners to do the same and i think yeah I think they're gonna find some cool stuff here that um, was let's scare jessica to death and these are in no particular order these are just i i sat down like 30 minutes before we did this and wrote them down by hand <laughs> sure yeah i did something similar um on the next one i'm gonna bring up here um is another single location movie but this one is decidedly less comedic this one's more of a a mind bender so if anyone is into um maybe a bit of a science fictiony type horror but not a science fictiony horror with a lot of effects just a uh, a science fictiony horror that'll get you that'll get you thinking uh this movie is called triangle i think this is from 2009 have you heard of this one mitch i've heard of it but i've not seen it yeah, so Triangle, um, the premise for this one is a, a group of friends are, are out on a boat. They're, I think they're having a, a party, and uh, their boat capsizes. Um, and they get onto their little rafts in this storm, and they find a, uh, a big old you know, cruise ship kind of thing um, floating nearby. And of course, they, they need help. So they, they come up to this cruise ship, and they climb aboard... And there's, they can't find anyone on board uh, this cruise ship out in the water. Um, and so they start wandering around and um, gradually they start to be killed by someone wearing a, uh, a bag over their head. Um, I'll stop there, but I want to, I want to underscore that I wouldn't call this a slasher movie. This this premise sounds like a slasher movie, and that's because I'm I'm omitting a few key details that that really make this movie different and stand out. Um, but this this is one of those movies that I I just love showing to people because uh, again, like Ready or Not, it it feels pretty accessible. Certainly from the get go, it's easy to get invested in the characters and and. Uh, and just the premise, it's a very simple setup, uh, so anyone can follow it until you can't follow it anymore. I mean, halfway through, these th- this movie really takes a turn, um, and and the science fiction com- concepts are introduced, and it, it ends up being one of these mind-bendy sorts of movies that right when it ends, you feel like, I have to watch that movie again, because everything I saw is now going to take on... A different context from and it's what called I triangle it yeah it's a triangle and a nautical mystery does it have anything to do with a certain triangle near bermuda <laughs> <laughs> to be honest i don't i don't think it does i mean that would seem like a an easy place to set it to say that it's in the bermuda triangle i don't think it does um but it, it certainly is a movie about uh some weird shit that happens on a boat some perhaps unexplainable stuff so um it's it's definitely it's it's a it's a psychological sort of horror it's it's not really a slasher even though um it does have a little bit of those thrills this is this is actually a very very different script and uh i i I really like it i've seen it a bunch of times and i i feel like i'm still kind of 
unlocking its mysteries and I get new things out of it every time I see it. No, it sounds really cool. I think I would vibe with that movie a lot. Cool. Yes, this, is, this is great. I'm making myself a list. And the last time you wrote me up a list, I really enjoyed all the movies that I saw. Cool. Yeah. So I, I can't wait to, to get into this. This is This is just like free content to watch. I love this. That's right. So, and that was that was Triangle. Okay. Triangle, 2009. And do, do you know the year? Sorry, 2000? 2009. 2009. Good year. So, my next pick is, I would say, it's fairly well known. It's had a bit of a renaissance more recently. It does really well on, like, film Twitter and stuff. Uh, a lot of people love this movie. Uh, it's called Carnival of Souls. Have you seen it from 1962? No, I thought this movie was older than that. No, okay, no, 1962. But it was made on a shoestring budget, so that's probably why you think it's older. Uh, it was made by Herc Harvey, who who made workplace films before this, uh, and I think after this, uh, for thirty thousand dollars. It's about a organist who survives uh, this fatal car accident. She's the only one that survives, and she puts the incident behind her. And I think she's an organist. Uh, in in Texas, and she moves to Utah to work as a church organist there. Um, but while she's there, she keeps being visited by this ghoulish visage of this man in a suit, and nobody else can see him. And she's just walking through the town, and it's shot in like a a really interesting uh, black and white cinematography. So it's very spooky and and uncanny. Uh, I find that like a lot of older films that are in black and white that are horror films do have that uncanny, creepy, chilling quality that, that this film isn't going to like terrify you, but it, it has this uh, like spooky, whimsical quality that's really brilliant. And it's produced on such a small budget. It's so impressive. I mean, 30,000 US dollars uh, is, is not a whole lot of money. I mean, in 1962, it was a little bit more money, but but by no means is this a, a big production. But anyway, this organist is is visited by this man and she's slowly spiraling and, and growing more and more mad. And she's seemingly drawn to this uh, carnival, this, this old uh, abandoned carnival on a boardwalk in, in the distant part of, of the town. And something's calling her there. And it's really good. Again, this is very similar in premise to Let's Scare Jessica to Death. But... Uh, again, uh, a woman being visited by a, a, a strange visage that no one else can see. Um, but again, that's kind of like my bread and butter. And I really adore this movie. I think it's um, just so stylish. So I would recommend this to anybody looking for something to watch. And it's not very long. It's only an hour and 18 minutes. So you can find it uh, with Criterion. They had a release. I'm not sure if it's on the channel right now, but it has been historically. It's, it's a pretty accessible movie. In fact, the whole thing's on YouTube in several different cuts. So if you're looking for something that's not too long to watch, just an old black and white chiller, this one's really good. Cool. Yeah. I think that I used to have this movie on a few different like horror box set packs, you know, like uh, on DVD, Walmart would sell these uh, these packs that just have movies on them, no frills. It would it would tend to be like public domain movies. I don't know if this movie is in the public domain, but um, I think that's why I thought it was older. I I thought this movie was from the 30s or something, um, but it it, no. sound, it does sound really cool. No, and and it's funny like the director Herc Harvey, uh, he like made like I said workplace. 
uh, safety films. But wow. it's hilarious because like his workplace safety films are like on IMDb with like reasonable scores. <laughs> like uh, one of his films is called Shake Hands with Danger, which is a great name for any film, let alone a workplace <laughs> safety film. And it, it's. Uh, According to Google, it's a cautionary training film that examines the dangers associated with earth-moving equipment operation, oh my showing gosh. simulated accidents on construction sites. <laughs> Dude, maybe this is a genre that I need to tap into. Maybe there's uh, there's stuff here. I've I've exhausted a lot of other horror subgenres. Maybe this applies. I mean, some PSAs are like notoriously scary. Have you seen that one from Britain from the 1970s about like drowning near a body of water? It's like a, a PSA for kids. No, I would love to. Okay, I'm going to send it to you Do right it. now. Dude, I, I love unsettling I PSAs. Canada had a lot of good ones too. Yeah. Uh, it's called Lonely Water from 1973. It's only like a minute and 29 seconds long. I'm going to send it to you right now. I mean, you can watch it if you want, but but uh, maybe after the pod, whatever you want. Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll, I will I'll watch it after the pod, um, but I'm very excited. Anyway, that's my spiel about Carnival of Souls. Cool, cool. I, re- I really want to check that out. Carnivals are just such a great setting for horror movies. They creep me out, man. They are. I mean, you got like Creepshow, all these other great horror films that are dependent upon carnivals yeah carnivals are creepy in general you know just Mm -hmm. the the very nature of them i know they can be there one day and then they're gone the next yeah and you have all sorts of of different people traveling with carnivals a lot of like misfits and stuff and i'm not saying that people who are like (laughs) i don't know misfits are inherently scary but it's just like a, a traveling band of outsiders it's always very interesting Sure. Rife for horror, I think. Absolutely, absolutely cool. That's. Did that's, you watch uh, American Horror Story? No, no. Okay, the carnival season. I I think it was called. What was it called? Funhouse. Freak show, maybe. Freak show. Yeah. Freak show. Yeah, I watched it when I had my wisdom teeth out, so I don't really remember it that <laughs> well. But I remember fucking loving it. Dude, I bet that would make it even more surreal yeah. and unsettling. Yeah, no, I was I was completely fucked. <laughs> and it was it was great. Cool. Okay, that's so that's Carnival of Souls. Very cool. Um I I think I'm gonna just keep going with this trend for now. I wrote down about ten movies. We'll see if we get to all of them, but but I'm noticing some similarities with them, and so I'll I'll kinda lump them together um with their similarities and then I'm going to tr- kind of get into the the grimier ones um, as we go on. So this next one I'm going to bring up is is another single location movie. Um, a great, great thrill ride. It's called Identity from 2003. Do you know this one? Yet again, I, I this is one that I haven't even heard of. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Very cool. Okay, so this this one, it's uh, it's got a really cool ensemble cast. It's led by John Cusack, but you're going to see a bunch of other people in here who you recognize. Um, John Cusack, the goat. He, he was in so many good stuff stuff in like the 2000s. Good things that kind of flew under the radar. Grand Piano, great thriller. Anyway, keep yeah, going. Yeah, that's the Elijah Wood one, right? Yeah, you've uh, seen that? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a fun movie. Really fun movie, man. Um, yeah, so this one, it's it's got people you'll recognize. Amanda Pete, Ray Liotta is in here, uh, Doc Ock, Alfred Molina, Clea Duvall, um, and a, a really cool villainous performance from Pruitt Taylor Vince, who is kind of a, uh, a character actor people might recognize when they see him. He's got a very distinct look to him. Um, mm. 
And this film is about, uh, honestly, not dissimilar to Triangle. I'm really drawn to these films. Uh, it's about a, a storm that happens, a rainstorm that um, confines a bunch of people traveling on a road to like a, a roadside motel. They all kind of get stranded there as they're passing through. A road gets blocked off by a storm. Oh yeah, dude, this is a movie for you, Mitch. Uh, like this, this one. Even if you come away saying, "Oh, I don't know how that one panned out," and I like how this movie pans out, but there's a chance you could come away thinking that. I still think. Um, someone would be hard pressed to get through this movie and say that was a waste of time. I mm-hmm. did not, I did not have a good ride. Um, and so they they all get stranded at this at this motel, and then uh, they start getting killed off one by one. And and again, this this isn't a slasher movie. This is much more of a thriller mystery. Um, Shades of a whodunit. Absolutely, it is a whodunit for sure. Um, I love that when when that genre intersects with horror, like movies like The Thing, I think are a really good example of that. Totally, yeah. So this one, you don't see the killer roaming around, so you don't know who it is, um, and you've got a finite number of characters here at this motel. I mean, at some points, they're everyone who's at the motel is together in a room, so someone here is killing people, and we don't know who. It's it's definitely in in the, in the vein of Agatha Christie. Um, and so so it's a really great ride it pops into my memory so much because it just has such a distinct style to it taking place at this motel and the rain is just pouring the entire movie and the entire movie takes place over one night so it it feels very distinct and moody um and you know like most uh great whodunits this one it has a big reveal um and like with many great whodunits, I mean, your mileage of the reveal might vary because throughout the whole movie, you're going to be wondering, uh, who is this? I think it's going to be this person. It would be cool if it's this person. And and then when the reveal happens, it might be, it might not be what you expected, but I think the reveal is awesome. Um, and I think it makes for a great, it has great rewatch value. Um, it's it's just a, gr- a really cool movie to to put on and f- transport you to a different place because it, it really does feel so so distinct. Um, so it's an, it's a, just an awesome sort of mystery thriller horror kind of movie, and I would recommend that one to most at anyone too. Sounds like a film after my own heart. I mean, I'm I'm already sold on this one. I'm going to have to seek it out. What did you say it was called? What's the title? It's Identity from 2003. Identity. Writing that one down. Cool. Fantastic. Coincidentally, my next pick <laughs> is in the exact same vein as when horror and the whodunit collide. Although mine is admittedly more of a haunted house film. In fact, it's like the... Well, it's not quite the granddaddy of the haunted house, but it, it is... It is the big enchilada. It is perhaps the haunted house film. And I don't think that this is necessarily an obscure film by any means. I think this film gets quite a bit of love. But I feel like because of the the age on this film, I think it is like the oldest one on my list maybe. Um, Doesn't get enough love. And it's the original House on Haunted Hill from 1959. Nice. Where to begin? Have you seen it? I did. I don't remember if I watched it before we did the 1999 House on Haunted Hill or or after. People can listen to the episode and 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 find it out. Uh, but I I did watch it. Yeah. What do you think of it? Really liked it. I I yeah. think it's a really 
fun and like sincerely scary time i think there are a lot of great great scares in this movie I think they would have been like good scares for the time for sure. I mean, I'm not sure if it's really like the scariest movie, but as a as a mood piece, mm-hmm. I think this film is extraordinary. Just the the premise is about this eccentric millionaire, and a million being a millionaire was a big deal back in the 1950s. <laughs> this eccentric millionaire who offers ten thousand dollars to everyone who stays inside this house for one night this house where several people have been murdered and uh elisha cook jr who's a great character actor of the 40s 50s into the 60s he was in rosemary's baby actually um plays this drunken uh guy who's got a history with the house and he's warning everyone don't go in don't go in but he stays in as well and all the people who are who are offered to stay in the house are complete strangers to each other for the most part and uh yeah, they all come from different backgrounds. You've got like a, a newspaper columnist, a fighter pilot, uh, a kindly lady who's just doing it, who's maybe a stenographer or something, and she's doing this to support her her sick family. I mean, you've got a a, a, a psychoanalyst. It's it's just this brilliant cast of people, and of course, Vincent Price at the center of the film uh, is the eccentric millionaire who's invited everyone and his wife. And I can remember who plays his wife i'm gonna pull it up right now i thought i was gonna be good without googling this one um carol omart uh she is wonderful in this movie it's uh just a great great mood piece and again not a super long film it runs in at an hour and 15 minutes so if you're looking for something short a, a classic in every sense of the word this is one you should see and you may, may not have seen it because of its age um this is one of the films that was instrumental in getting me into classic films to begin with. In fact, my list is all like pretty old fashioned. I mean, um, but this was like the one that got me in. I watched it, I think years and years and years ago for the first time on YouTube in like part one, part two, part three. Yeah. 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 Those were and, good times. Uh, it sucked me in. And then I got down this big Vincent Price spree and watched all these camp classic horrors. And, and then it was just a, a slippery slope from there. So that is my recommendation. House and Haunted Hill from 1959. I haven't seen the remake. I know you did it on the podcast, but that was before my time. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I would. It's not on my list, of course, but I think, I think you would, you would like the remake, Mitch. Um, I came away liking it way more than I thought I would. In fact, uh, cliff notes for that episode. I had seen the remake already and not liked it. And then when we watched it for the podcast, I totally turned around on it, and I, I really liked it. Um, so uh, maybe a double feature would you know would be would be good for people. I think they're both good movies. Perhaps. Cool. Perhaps your turn. Sweet. Um. So my next movie is is gonna be one that's a bit uh a bit of a satire um of the of the slasher genre. One of my favorite genres. But uh, you don't necessarily need to be a slasher fan to like this movie. In fact, I think this movie will play really well for for people who say that they they don't like the slasher movies because this lovingly takes aim at slasher movies and and deconstructs it. It's called uh, Behind the Mask: The Rise of Leslie Vernon. Hmm. You heard of this one? 
I have, not to be confused with Unmasked Part 25. Right, yeah, I'm, I'm sure, I'm certain, actually, that I brought it up on that episode. Um, so I, won't I know you did, yeah, that's that's how I'm, I remember the title, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I won't talk too much about it, but Behind the Mask, it's a, it's a mockumentary movie, you know, one of these movies where we're following a, docu- a fictional documentary crew. Um, and the premise here is that they are doing a report on uh, this guy who is a serial killer. Um, But he's not just a regular old serial killer. He's not a Henry Portrait of a serial killer. He is a serial killer who looks up to people like Jason Voorhees, Freddy Krueger, Michael Myers, because in the world of this movie, all those slashers actually exist. They are not from movies. What they've done has happened in real life, um, including they've died, they've come back, uh, they they walk slowly after their victims. They they tend to pick out a final girl and kill off the friends first. Um, and so this movie uh, examines all those tropes and sort of gives a justification for them. We're we're seeing you know behind the curtain, behind the mask, as to as to how a slasher, uh, just a regular guy, might go about. Um, doing these things and so that's really part of the fun is we're spending time with this uh this this killer leslie vernon but when he's not killing people he's he's really charismatic and congenial and just passionate about the work he does and so that's sort of where the the comedic satire elements come in um but this movie, it, it's definitely not like a, a spoof movie. It doesn't feel like a, a scary movie type thing. This is a movie that is is uh, poking fun at the thing while also being the thing. And, and it ends up uh, being a, a formidable slasher in its own right. But it is also just so clever and witty and such a cool subversion of uh, the slasher horror genre. Um and so this is one that like I, I showed to a, a friend of mine. Um, it was uh, Mitch, you know, from school. Mm. Um, but he he said, you know, I want to I want to see a horror movie that kind of. Um, oh, I think I was there when we watched this one. Oh, oh, I think you do. I was I was there for this one. <laughs> I forgot the name of the title, but I was like, this sounds really fucking familiar. Yeah, we watched this in his yeah, yeah, at his yeah. house. Yes, and then and then I think Corey showed up halfway through as well. He did. I made you a blueberry monade. That, that was my night. first ever monade. That's amazing. Um, yeah, fuck. That was a really good movie. <laughs> I'm glad you think so. <laughs> I, I might be worried that 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 because you forgot, but hell, I forgot too. That's I forgot incredible. the name of the title, but mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I've seen this movie. That that movie's hilarious. I love that movie. I had such a great time. That is a a great group movie. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a great group movie too, and it's a great movie to show to to a friend of yours that um, might be more of a casual horror fan or uh, doesn't like to take movies too seriously. Um, but at the same time, it's it's kind of like putting peanut butter on a pill. This movie, you are are still getting uh, some some horror fun in this film. Uh, oh yeah. So I, I'd suggest that people people check this out. I think it, like once you meet the movie on the level that it wants you to meet it on, it is just a fun ride all the way down the line. I mean, I think I I had a difficulty at the start of that movie dialing into it, but then I think after about like 20 minutes I was hooked. Sure. Yeah, yeah, it is it is a bit off-putting, right? You've never really seen a movie like it before. Um mm-hmm. but once you settle into the world and see what's doing, it is a good time. Very original, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So this next movie I haven't seen in in years, um, but <laughs> I I kind of have to put it on my list because it's a, a fun giallo film and it's about this uh, handsome. It's an Italian film, like a, a giallo. It's directed by Mario Bava. It's called Hatchet for the Honeymoon. Have you seen it? No, I don't think I've seen any Bava. So tell me, tell me why you I heard should of it? watch it. I haven't heard of this one. I don't think. Oh, this one rules. It's about G- a guy. Give named us the name again. Give me the name ha- again. Hatchet for the honeymoon. Cool. And uh, it's about this guy, and he's he's a a very suave, handsome, uh, I guess a, a fashion designer, and he he. Um, He's got a lot of hangups and he lives in this beautiful spacious villa and he's uh, like a dress designer. But the only trouble is, is that he has this one hangup where if he sees someone in a, in a wedding dress, um, he feels compelled to kill them. (laughs) That's amazing. It's, it's all done with this uh, internal monologue, uh, like American psycho. Actually, this film feels really influential to films like American psycho. And he, he uh, is like talking to himself the whole time about like how he's going to to, to kill all these brides to be, and uh, he does it with a cleaver. And it it has this wonderful streak of of black comedy, but it's also just like a beautifully g- garishly shot um, horror slash psychological slash psychosexual thriller. And it's it's just a lot of fun. It's a great giallo, so I recommend it. It's one of my uh, favorites out of Bava's filmography. It's it's really flamboyantly shot. That's that sounds so fun. So does does this have a uh, a killer reveal as well? No, you know it's he's the killer the whole time, mm. uh, and he's just unraveling right this this veneer <laughs> as as this wedding dress <laughs> maker is is unfortunately compelled to kill all his clients and he's like spiraling and being investigated and uh just completely fucking mad but somehow staying ahead of the investigators it's really fun cool you know you know what that kind of reminds me of is the the remake of maniac um i haven't seen it yeah it's 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 a cool one um it it reminds me of it just because in that movie he is like a uh what is he? He like dresses mannequins, I think. Um, and of course, he's a, he's a killer guy. And we also we take we we're inside his head the whole time. And mm. so I I wouldn't be surprised if the approach to that maniac remake was inspired by by this movie here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I th- I'm pretty sure this movie like had to have been pretty influential. But again, an Italian. Uh, well, I guess an Italian in Spain sort of production shot partially in Spain. Um, but it's not very long either, 88 minutes. Man. And I highly recommend it. I'm pretty sure you can find this one on YouTube as well. Cool. So far... It's Hatchet for the Honeymoon, 1970. Oh, man. We could watch all of Mitch's movies in one night so far. I love pretty this. Pretty much. That's that's kind of what I'm going for. I'm going for films that aren't like a huge ass to low investment golden oldies that i think you should see yeah high reward and i like that you're covering the older movies too because i think every movie i have here is a is a post 2000 movie so um this i don't is, think i have a single one that's post 2000 sick though that's what we need <laughs> yeah. cool okay so um i think we've about reached the the point in the episode where my picks are going to be a bit a bit meaner um 
and they're still going to be fun. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to suggest that anyone watch anything that, uh, um, is truly reprehensible, but, uh, if you know, the night's getting a bit later, uh, Maybe you've already you already watched one of these movies and you're sticking it out into the into the wee hours past midnight. Maybe you're gonna want to put on something that that hits you in a bit of a different way. So, one of those movies could be uh, a film from. Sometimes it says 2015, sometimes 2017. It it kind of depends because this is one of those movies that was. Uh, um, released through a film festival and so it was a while before it came out on streaming services and stuff mm-hmm. uh so 2015 2017 type that in you'll uh if you type in be my cat colon a film for Anne. be my cat a film for Anne. have you heard of this mitch no i'm writing it down oh dude this this is a mitch movie i think i don't know if you'll like it but you will be absolutely fascinated by it. Um, this is one of the oddest movies I have ever seen in my life. It is a cinematic oddity. Um, the premise of this, it's a Romanian film. Romanian horror film. Not, not many horror movies come out of Romania. And this this was made uh, by a guy who, in the film, he's playing himself. He's he's using his, his actual name. Um, he directed, wrote, produced it, did the cinematography he edited it this is this movie basically feels like you're just watching one guy carry around a camera um and that that's really what the making of the movie was he didn't have a crew there are some other actors in the movie but that's it um and the reason that works so well is the premise of this movie is this guy is living in romania and he has a adoration for the actress anne hathaway that's who the the title is referring to there a film for Anne. Huh. he loves Anne Hathaway and so his idea is that he is going to film a movie in Romania with um an actress who looks like Anne Hathaway that he can find in Romania he puts out a casting call and he he's determined to cast someone who looks like Anne Hathaway and um in making this movie with an Anne Hathaway lookalike he he wants to convince Anne Hathaway to in his movie to make a movie with him he's an aspiring director um but only directing Anne Hathaway yeah that's right that's all he wants he saw Anne Hathaway in in Dark Knight Rises and he said I need to direct this woman um (laughs) and it is there's a storm coming Mr. Wayne (laughs) and there's nothing you can do to stop it and I tell you what this is one of the creepiest movies i've ever seen in my life it's a found footage movie of course it's it's all just uh from the perspective of his camera um and this is sort of like the blair witch project in that you could show it to someone and i bet you uh there's a good chance they would think it's real i mean maybe some of the stuff near the end as as you get to the climax because this movie does have a climax Mm. maybe you know then someone would say okay i I don't think this is true but it doesn't go so wild that um it's i think it's also possible that someone could see this in the right circumstances and think i just saw uh someone actually do terrible things to somebody um and so it's really cool on a filmic level the way that it kind of blends reality and and makes you wonder does this director of this movie actually feel this way because he's talking to an actress that truly exists and he is uh 
casting people in this movie that look like Anna Hathaway and, and under his own name. That's right, under his own name, and it's clear that the movie is 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 improved and. Um, in fact, I'm I'm friends with this this filmmaker on Facebook. He's he's really uh he's really personable and um and he's kind of just a guy in Romania, right? Like he's still making movies, um, mm. but this is very much like a, a low budget movie, um, and uh, so I had to befriend this guy on Facebook just to figure out is this guy really like this? Because uh, I can't really tell from watching this movie, um, and it. It, it goes to dark places. It's sort of in the vein of... Um, I don't know if you've ever heard about this guy, uh, R- Ricardo Lopez. Ricardo Lopez was this dude that was obsessed with the singer Bjork, and he like made tapes um, that he would then mail to her. Um, oh, sure. It, it was a ma- massive case, and this movie sort of feels like it was inspired by something like that, um, which just makes it all the more unsettling right um, and i think there's definitely a like a broader discussion to be had about about like stardom and and stalking and stuff like that i mean there's so many more by the numbers films that that do this kind of thing like i don't know if you've seen the fan um no I forget the oh, fan. what year is it uh i think it's from the 80s 1981 the fan yes yeah the fan it stars lauren bacall and it's about like this this famous uh, like uh, star, and she's being stalked by this dude. But this sounds like completely different. Uh, th- this sounds like a fascinating movie. I would love to see this. What year is it? It's it's 2015, 2018, um, 2015. So, sort of around there. Just because it it, it kind of it came out gradually, but it, it's called right. "Be My Cat," a film for Anne. It was it's been on varying streaming services at different times, so I don't know where you can find it right now. But occasionally, it's it's been up like for free on YouTube and stuff like it. that. So, and you said it was really it was made gradually. Was it released in increments, or is it one solid feature? Uh, it, it was one solid feature. It's just that it played at film festivals and then it was I just see. on DVD for a while and then it showed up on Amazon Prime and then, cool. it, and then it was on a YouTube channel. So I'll have to check that out. That's a really cool recommendation. Cool. Okay. So have you heard of Eyes Without a Face? Yes. Have you seen it? I have not. <sighs> Again, this one is another one of those ones that I don't think is nearly that forgotten or that obscure i think it does really well with like criterion re-releases and um yeah i think i think it gets like quite a bit of love but deservedly so it's by georges franju french film from 1960 and it's about this this parisian uh this french surgeon and his daughter is horribly disfigured in this in this accident and all outsiders think that she's killed in the accident, um, but she's not. And so the doctor devises this plan, and he's assisted by this actor named Alida Valley, who you might recognize from the original um, Suspiria film. Uh, she plays like one of the the headmistresses. She's also in a few of my favorite films. Uh, she was in uh, Visconti Senso as a as a countess um, in the fifties. But uh, anyway, this film, she plays the doctor's accomplice and they kidnap young women and steal their faces, like surgically remove their faces and try to graft them onto his daughter's face. And it's just like such a fucked up 
premise for a film the idea of just stealing people's faces and of course the 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 daughter doesn't even necessarily like want this um so it's just like a deeply fucked like french film from the from the 60s that has some really harrowing again spooky black and white images um have you seen the film diabolique from the 50s it's another french horror film no the diabol what's it? i think it's called diabolique yeah 1955 um I mean, I don't think they're like that similar, but they kind of have that same uh, kind of um, fanciful realism uh, that that is truly unhinging. And yeah, I just highly recommend this movie. There's like some surprisingly gross shit in it from the era too. And it's, it's like a class affair, like a very polished movie, but it's also like really gross at the same time. I highly recommend it. That's wicked, dude. I'm really loving that um, almost all your movies, I recognize their titles, but I don't, I've never actually looked into what they're about. And so it's like, I, do, I feel like I don't have reason to watch them. I sort of pass them by, especially if they're not movies that I constantly see talked about. And mm. so just you giving the brief log line, it makes me go, oh man, I, I have to see this movie. I've been a fool for for just skipping this over. And that one sounds like one I've got to see. I I love that premise. Yeah, and I'm sure lo- like lots of people have seen this movie. I think it's uh, it might be against our underseen premise, but... I feel like enough people probably haven't seen it again for all the same reasons. That a lot of people haven't seen the other ones that I recommend. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, this one, this one's a real winner. Cool. And I like that. It sounds like you're, you're getting a bit dirtier now, Mitch too. That sounds like a, uh, that sounds, that sounds dirty to me. They're stealing a women's faces to put on another woman. You're a sick bastard, Mitch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's me. All right. Okay, um, my next recommendation, it's, it's actually a Christmas movie, um, so I want to put this on people's radar early so that they're, they're ready to fire this once, once the, the Christmas season comes around, because uh, I think it is a, a classic, and I, I'm certain that I've, I've mentioned it by name on some of our Christmas episodes, but it doesn't have any sequels or anything, so we're never going to directly cover it on the pod, so I'll talk about it a bit here. This is from 2017, and it's called Better Watch Out. I've heard of it. I remember when this came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it 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 had a bit of a it had a bit of fanfare behind it, um, and rightfully so. I I was excited about this movie because I I had heard the premise. It was originally called Safe Neighborhood um, before it came out, um, and I was interested in that. I mean, that's a that's a cool title, and it it kind of ties in to the premise here, which is that um, a teenage babysitter is looking after. Uh, a teenage boy, maybe a preteen boy. She she's about seventeen years old, and she's babysitting a kid who feels like he's too old to be babysat. He's probably thirteen or so, and he's also hanging out with his thirteen-year-old friend at the house. Uh, so it's the three of them in this house on Christmas Eve. Maybe it's not Christmas Eve. You know what? It's the Christmas season for sure. It's probably not Christmas Eve because the parents are out of the house. But it's the Christmas season, um, and. A brick flies through their window at the house um, and people start to break into the house and this neighborhood is not so safe. Um, And we follow along with what happens there. And I I won't say much more than that. Um, What I will say is the reason I'm recommending this movie is that it takes a hard turn about halfway through. Um, 
I, I saw this movie in the theater when it came out. It, it, it didn't come out in wide release or anything, but uh, I, I was lucky enough that our independent theater got it. And I went to go see it um, with a friend. And when this moment happens about halfway through, and, and anyone who watches this movie, you'll know the moment when it happens. The air was, you could feel it being sucked out of the theater because everyone just had the realization, this is not the kind of movie we thought it was going to be. Um, and then you have to reckon with that for the next uh, hour or whatever it is. You know, it's it's certainly not a final act twist. This it happens uh, at just the right time. And I came out of this movie thinking this movie was made for me. I was so high on this film. It ch- checked off so many boxes that I love. Um, a Christmas horror movie, you know, it it just looks beautiful with all these Christmas lights and Christmas sweaters and stuff. So it's it's a cozy one to watch at Christmas time. Uh, it's centered on uh, teenagers, sort of has a bit of a coming of age element there. Um, it's it, it's not a slasher, but it's definitely has a, a home invasion bend to it. Um, and then the subgenre that is introduced in the second half, you know, I I won't say what it is, but. Uh, it's something that I love. Um, and so I think this is a, a really cool watch. I, I've heard from so many people that love this movie. I've also heard from a few people that couldn't stand this movie, hated it. And I think that that shows you that this is just, this is one of those movies that, that swings through the fences. And so I would encourage people to check it out and see where you land on this movie. Um, and it's another one that once it ends, you uh, would get a lot from rewatching it and thinking about that first half in a different way. So, uh, real cool movie. That's Better Watch Out from 2017, a Christmas film. Very good. I'll have to keep that in mind for the Yuletide scares. Oh, I'll remind you. I've got it on Blu-ray. Maybe we can get together. I showed it to Corey oh, a couple years ago. That would ago. be lovely. He liked it. Some. <laughs> Maybe I'll make some cranberry menades or something seasonal. Oh, dude, that would be so good. I haven't figured it out. Or just cran ginger ale. Sure, which, yeah. Which a Christmas We all drink. love here on the pod. Do you think cranberry that's a Christmas Canada drink? Cranberry Canada Dry? Cran-jail? Oh, yeah. It's seasonally released around Christmas time. Oh. Canada Dry cranberry flavor. Incredible stuff. Cool. They just released a blackberry flavor that I'm a big fan of. They're doing great things over there at the ginger ale. They, Canada Dry. They they don't fuck around. <laughs> So, that was Better Watch Out 2017. That's right. My next recommendation is Theater of Blood 1973. Oh, man, I haven't even heard of this movie, but it sounds like a Mitch movie. It fucking rules. I mean, so I've already given one uh, Vincent Price film on the list, House of, House of Haunted Hill, on Haunted Hill, excuse me. This one is extraordinary and vincent price plays a a thespian named edward lionheart and in his final season of performances of shakespearean plays he doesn't win this award and in fact he's met with scorn from all these critics they call him a ham and this is very much a film of the theater and about criticism and critics and he's so wrapped up with this loss that he goes and confronts them all in this swanky apartment or hotel room, I forget which it is, overlooking the River Thames. And he tries to kill himself by throwing himself off the balcony in front of them in an an I'll-show-you moment, and he gives a final soliloquy and jumps off into the river. But he isn't killed. He's swept into this this weird space, and this group of, of... 
of homeless people and like drug addicts and and they they what they resurrect him essentially they 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 nurse him back to health and then when he comes back he's deranged and he sets out to murder each and every single one of the critics who've wronged him in a fantastic way that's inspired by Shakespeare. And like uh, his kills are inspired by Shakespeare. Yes. Wow. Yes. It's uh, it's extraordinary. And I've been we've been talking about maybe doing a Shakespeare month, and I wish there was some way I could incorporate this film. Like maybe we could we could shoehorn it in. But all the critics have such fantastic names: Hector Snipe, Peregrine <laughs> Devlin, <laughs> Meredith Meridu, Solomon <laughs> Paltry, or something. Like it's it's. A fantastic film, really good 70s Vincent Price camp. I think about as good as it gets. And I like laughed the whole time I watched this film and I revisit it every couple of years. So I really recommend this one. This one comes in a little bit longer than some of my other recommendations, an hour and 44 minutes. But if you watch it, you won't be disappointed. So is it, two questions. Is this a slasher kind of movie and is it a comedy kind of movie? Uh, yeah, it's a horror, uh, Google describes it as a horror and dark comedy. I'd say there's definitely some influence of slashers because it's just like one by one, um, people start being killed. Um, and some of the deaths are like pretty fucked and pretty inventive, right? Obviously if they're all inspired by, by Shakespeare. Oh my, yeah. Um, so there's a really dark wit that I think that you (laughs) find in, in slasher films, but you've got a really, like, elevated cast here like like a some definitely like respectable actors who maybe by the 70s weren't finding that much work but in in their day in the 40s and 50s and and 60s they would have been uh, like very respected like you've got obviously vincent price like a guy named dennis price who was a a a famous uh, british actor who was in um oh gosh i'm trying to remember kind hearts and coronets which is one of my favorite films um out of Ealing Studios, also a British comedy and a black comedy, but as black as they come. Um, I'm going to go off on a bit of a tear about that movie because I love it so much. Similar premise. It's about this guy who is uh, 12th in line to be Duke, and but he's not considered to be legitimate because his, his mother married an Italian barber, and it's a British film. And uh, so he decides that he's going to... Anyway, so when his mother dies, she's not allowed to be buried in the family crypt. And he's outraged by this. So he decides that he's going to kill each and every single person in front of him to become the Duke. And each and every single person who's in line to be Duke is played by Alec Guinness. It's a 40s black comedy. It's great. Sort of similar to this one in, in a way. Similar uh, black comedy vibes. But back on target with uh, Theater of Blood. Yeah, uh, you've also got Robert Morley, who was in uh, The African Queen um, in the 50s. A whole bunch of other like really big budget uh, 50s affairs. And Jack Hawkins, who, who uh, was also a very well-respected actor in his day, a British actor. Wow. That's that's a really great recommendation. Both those. I hadn't heard of either of them. Um, yeah. You know what it reminds me of? I, you know, I, I, won't, I won't go long about this because it wasn't on my list, but I've told you about the movie uh, from 1980, Fade to Black. Did you ever end yes, up watching yeah. that? I watched that, yeah, you, you on your recommendation. And I really enjoyed that movie. I mean, that one's a, a bit different in the sense that it's not like... I guess it's a bit about exacting revenge on people. Um, 
but it's not it doesn't have like the the same sort of methodical sweep but it definitely has that blackly comedic uh referential streak where it's in that case it's referencing old films and in this case it's referencing shakespeare but yeah <laughs> cool yeah no fade to black is a really cool horror film um and uh oh christ who's who's the guy that he that he imitates um where he kicks the woman down the stairs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> to be honest, I don't know if I knew who he was imitating. A lot, most of these references went over my head because he's referencing, you know, movies that he loves from the '40s and '50s and stuff. But he does boot that woman down the stairs. That's he for sure. He boots her, but it, but it's based off of a uh, like it's from the Kiss of Death. Yeah. Um, uh, Richard Widmark. Yeah, that's that's who he's impersonating, and he does a really good job. <laughs> Cool. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um cool. Theater of Blood. I I'm gonna watch that yeah. for sure. Theater of Blood. Um my next movie uh is is another found footage movie and it is another movie that has a moment in it, and if someone has seen this movie they'll be able to tell you the moment you know when you say this movie has a moment uh it sticks out and so i i love movies like that that makes me want to watch a movie just that sort of uh big uh cohesion of something that just totally strikes and 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 sticks out to basically anyone who watches it so this movie is from 2008 it's called lake mungo I love that movie. Wicked. I fucking I yeah. fucking love this movie. Dude, all right. Well, let's tell the people about it. So, uh, you you go. Okay. So, um this is a, a I guess a found footage movie, but I would call it more of a a mockumentary um like uh, like uh Behind the Mask is it's it's a, a fictional documentary. And the premise here is that a documentary is being made about a uh, a teen girl who goes missing from her house um and then she turns up dead in some water. They find her in some water. Uh and she she's dead from that water or maybe she's dead from something else. Um and a crew is just making a documentary and following the family to try to memorialize this girl and also figure out what happened to her because they they can't figure out how she got to this water there's all sorts of uh things in her life before she died that are uh leads that the documentary follows and trying to figure mm-hmm. it out in fact it's it's very similar to to twin peaks and the the setup of twin peaks um in fact, Lake Mungo has specific reference to references to it. Like the 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 girl who who goes missing, um, her her family, their last name is Palmer. So I don't, I don't think true. I don't think it's it's coincidental. Um, and why this movie is so good uh, is twofold. One is because I think it it is one of the more uh, believable mockumentaries out there um there are still you know you get a lot of talking heads in this movie and so i think some of them are better actors than others but but just the way it's framed and the places that the documentary crew seems to be going like the questions that they're answering the leads they're following it really does feel like you're watching a uh 
a true crime sort of documentary that would air on Netflix or something like that. And yeah. again, this movie's 2008, so it's it's kind of predates a lot of those documentaries, but it really does feel believable. Would you, would, would you say you felt that way too, Mitch? Oh, I think so. And I think the fact that it is 2008, that early digital era, I think lends itself so much. I mean, there's grainy cell phone footage that's terrifying in this film. And I think overall too it has a really cool ending. I don't want to give it too much too much away, but this this film is I guess you would call it maybe a bit of a ghost story, right? Yes. Yeah, it yes. It, it does it it does seem like it ends up that way, um but you don't you you don't it, really know. You don't know but, where it's going and even then the fact that it ends up perhaps as a ghost story, it it is actually a bit ambiguous as to what's going yeah, on. Yeah. And uh, this next line that I'm going to say, like, my, I don't want to, I hope it doesn't give too much away about it, but when Stanley Kubrick was making The Shining, he always joked that it had a happy ending because <laughs> any any existence of, of ghosts and the paranormal means that there's an afterlife. <laughs> sure, yeah. And so he always joked that, that, you know, if there is that, it has a happy ending. And I think that this film um, might have a happy ending depending upon your read. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or, uh, yeah, it could have a happy ending, or it could be a a terrifying, <laughs> yeah, ending that that haunts you forever. Um, and, and and maybe both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So so Mitch is totally right that this movie, uh, it it ends up at a place that um is very haunting, and I don't just mean in terms of ghosty stuff. You don't have to be a fan of ghost movies to like this movie uh, because it, it does feel very grounded in reality. And then when the hints of something supernatural happen, it is it feels so jarring. Um, mm-hmm. But the movie never it never really goes off the rails. I mean, compare it to something uh, like we talked about recently the the remake to Blair Witch uh sure. and that movie uh, of course a remake of the Blair Witch project Blair Witch project stays understated the entire time very realistic and it's the implication of what's happening that scares you whereas uh a, a tendency to make movies of course is to to show a lot in the third act and really have things ramped yeah. up and and you you risk breaking the immersion that you've created and I would argue that this movie does a really good job at maintaining that immersion mm-hmm. and still suggesting things that are utterly terrifying. I agree. It has tremendous restraint and and control, and it's so understated and so refreshing. I mean, first and foremost, this is a, a family drama mm-hmm. that is colliding with a ghost story. Um but it's it's more like if you're watching just like a really well-told uh domestic drama colliding with a ghost story like it's not it's not conventional in any sense of the word but it's uh it's it's all the better for it yeah that's a great way to put it and it it it's so much of that so much of a a family drama that someone might put this on and and be bored by it they might say i was looking for a horror movie what is this uh nothing nothing horrifying is happening and i would urge people uh it's only 88 minutes long i would urge people to stick with this movie and just follow it where it takes you and i really think you will be rewarded in the last 20 minutes or so Mm mm-hmm Cool. Well, I'm glad you like that movie, Mitch. That's a that's such a fun one to talk about with people and to to show people. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, I'm gonna. I don't, don't have too many more left on my list. How many? How about you? Uh, I could probably do. I uh, maybe about three, three more. Yeah, left, yeah, about, about three. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, my next film is again not, not like super obscure, but I think that it has a few things that make it very distinct, and it's The Hour of the Wolf from 1968, and it's uh, it holds the distinction of being the only horror film that Ingmar Bergman ever made. Oh, what other movies did he make? Because that's a big name, right? Yeah, I mean, gosh, where to begin? The, the Seventh Seal, Persona, Wild Strawberries, Cries and Whispers, Fanny and Alexander, uh, Autumn Sonata, uh... What's the other one that he did? Uh, the Virgin Spring, which uh, was a heavy influence in, um, oh Christ, uh, The Last House on the Left. Oh. Uh, Summer with Monica. So many, so many great, uh, great movies by uh, by Bergman. He's a iconic, iconic Swedish director. He's even on the Swedish Kroner, actually. He's uh, like a national treasure there. <laughs> wow. Uh, but uh, again, a lot of people associate him with with more. I think like pretentious kind of like art films. I mean, he was, um, when international cinema first became like super exported in the fifties and you had like your first art houses, cinemas pop up in the fifties and beatniks went to them and all that. Bergman was a darling of that group. Right. So he's kind of always been immortalized. He's always had this cachet. And I think it's really interesting to see him take on a horror film. And the hour of the wolf is, I think, my favorite Bergman film, which is controversial because I really love, like, I really love Wild Strawberries. And, uh, but yeah, The Hour of the Wolf, I, I won't say too much about the plot because I don't want to give it away, but it's just a tremendous atmosphere piece. I think this movie walked so that the lighthouse could run. Wow. Um, it's, it's about, so Max von Sydow plays a uh, an artist who lives on this extremely remote island that's just made out of like rock and these these desolate uh windswept landsla- landscapes and they live in this in this cottage and it's an extremely quiet film uh just these two people in the wind howling and on the other side of the island there's this weird castle um full of these like unusual perverse aristocrats almost and there's something like very wrong with them and uh max von Sydow d- develops these these um paranoid uh tendencies and he and his wife are, are are both like grappling with with memories from their past that are extremely troubling and haunting and, and maybe not real and um it's just like there's something extremely sinister about this group on the other side of the island and i don't want to say too much more about it but it's a great moody film it's 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 um just like a master class in in space and and just creating this inhospitable mood <laughs> nice dude a lot of these movies you're talking about sound like they're just great to put on with the lights off and just uh kind of go to a different place yeah, and this one like, is not too long, running in at an hour and 30 minutes, so it's it's pretty cool. If you want to watch a Bergman film, I think if you're looking to get into the films of Bergman and, and they s- might seem like maybe like impenetrable or if they seem like too, I don't know, pretentious or whatever, I think that this is a really good jumping in point. In fact, I think it was mine. 
So cool. Yeah, I think that'll have to be my start. I, I haven't seen any of his other movies. That sounds really interesting. The Hour of the Wolf. Yeah, that's the, I think that's the other word for three in the morning because you have the, the witching hour oh. and the hour of the wolf. Oh. Yes. Cool. Okay, so um, another one here I'll rattle off is, uh, is grimy. We're getting into grime. Um, in fact, uh, well, I'll, I'll say what it is first. This movie is from 2009. It's an Australian movie. Um, in fact, Better Watch Out was filmed in Australia, and Lake Mungo is an Australian movie, so um, I've done something here unintentionally. Uh, 2009 Australian horror movie. It's called The Loved Ones. Um, oh, damn. I've heard of this one, and I've wanted to watch it for years. Cool. Yeah, it, it, it gets talked about uh, every now and again, and I basically only ever hear it brought up by people who really love this movie and champion it. Um and I just think, you know, if this movie had come out maybe a few years later, I think it would be talked about even more. But 2009 was sort of a, a weird time for horror movies. Um, but if, if this movie came out when, like, when, when Twitter was more popular, m- maybe it would be talked about even more. Um, but, but as is, you know, uh, I think the people who do know about it um, really appreciate it, if, if it is for your tastes. Because I will say this, this movie is really brutal. Um, the premise is uh, this, uh, this kind of troubled teenager. Um, he's, he's grieving the loss of his dad. Um, and he he has a girlfriend, um, but he's he's just kind of really struggling with himself. And he gets asked to the prom by, um, I guess you could say, the weird girl at his at his high school, the the outcast girl. And um, and he very sweetly says, you know, I, I'm sorry, I can't. I've, I'm going to the prom with my girlfriend. Um, and uh, unfortunately, this this weird girl is in fact even weirder than she seems, and she she abducts him, and brings her to his house where her and her dad live, and her dad is uh is also uh weird. It kind of runs in the family, um, and they just they keep this teenager at their house and uh, do bad things to him, um. And you know that that sounds like kind of just a, a gross gross horror movie, um, but there is a lot of care in this movie in terms of its characters really exploring why some of these characters might be doing what they're doing, um, and it is also just filmed with such tact and style um, <clears throat> that I think that's some of the reasons why it has become. Uh, sort of an enduring film where the people who see it say oh man that movie it, that movie is a punch in the face um but it is also very satisfying very structurally sound it has a lot of twists and turns i'm i'm not mentioning here it's it's not as simple as it sounds um it's you know i'd say it's inspired by stuff like uh texas chainsaw massacre um is definitely in there um and it is just a uh, it it i think it goes down pretty smoothly in that right from the beginning i'm i'm curious to to figure out where it's where it's going to go uh 
that said, it, it is it does get very violent. And I watched this with my fiance um, a few months ago, and we actually we had to turn it off because there there is a mm. a particularly violent scene. And uh, just at that time, <laughs> she just said, "You know what? I'm really enjoying this movie." She said, "I really like this movie. It's it's really good, but I just don't know if I can take this." At this this moment of violence in this moment and I said fair enough so it, it is a movie that you've you've got to be prepared for in that regard um, but I wouldn't say that it is just violent trash you know I think it says a lot that that she was really liking the movie um, and I think uh, once we managed to pick it up again uh, the ending is is really uh, it, it really hammers it home, and it's very satisfying. Um, it has perhaps my favorite use of a repurposed song in a movie. You know, it's very popular nowadays to take a, a pop song and slow it down and make it creepy and either use it in your tra- trailer or use it in, in the film. And this does that with the uh, an Australian pop song called Not Pretty Enough. Um, and it is just... Is really incredible. So I, I would suggest that people watch this movie if they if they are capable, if they feel capable of uh, dealing with some of the 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 violence and some of the disgusting stuff that happens here. It's really just just physical, uh, bloody kind of violence that you get in this movie. But mm. Yeah, I, th- I think you'd like it, Mitch. That's the loved one. The lo- the loved ones. Yeah. Ones, pl- plural. Mm-hmm. It, it cool. is important that it's plural. There's some stuff going on there. but Cool, cool, cool. Have at it, bitch. Um, my next film is Images. Images. And it's directed by Robert Altman. It's from the 1970s, from 1972. Um, and it stars Susanna York. And it, it's, again, one of these, these, these movies that is... Um, about just like a um a middle-aged woman kind of having like a psychic a psychological break and it's full of visual hallucinations and audio hallucinations and it's about and so she's she's a writer and um it's by Robert Altman who's who's a, a really tremendous director and Susanna York is is beautiful and elegant and sophisticated in this movie and she's trying to write at this quiet house in the countryside but she's constantly just being interrupted by these these visions and visions of herself doing things too that she's not actually doing and by the end of the film or pretty well into the film you really have no idea what's going on and um it has moments that are extremely upsetting it has moments that are that are shocking it's photographed gorgeously by Vilmos Zygmunt who was a, a regular collaborator with Robert Altman and I think one of the great cinematographers he shot McCabe and Mrs. Miller Close Encounters of the Good of the of the Third Kind The Long Goodbye he shot Heaven's Gate Blowout so a tremendous cinematographer and um yeah it's it's a stunning film uh that is wildly confusing and just a a a real trip of a film and it runs in an hour and 41 minutes cool that that's i really like the way you teed that up i feel like i don't know that much about the movie and yet you said enough that i'm really curious to to see this movie it's really good like it's it's um it's almost impossible to 
to like describe what's going on. I mean, you don't know if she is in danger, if it's all psychological. I mean, she keeps getting these weird phone calls. Uh, oh, I love throughout that. the film. Uh, like maybe, <laughs> maybe she's she's pregnant. Like she she doesn't really know like what's going on. You have n- just a complete absence of, of things going on, and, and she she often sees her doppelganger throughout the film and her doppelganger is doing all sorts of fucked up things to the people around her and you don't know if it's her doing it or what and then people who are murdered in one scene come back in another scene and so it's just i think it's like the terror of like what would happen if you just like completely lost your your mind and your sense of self and your sense of perspective um it's really good cool and it's all shot with this fantastic, uh, like seventies naturalistic style. That, that's that's really, um, really rich and and fun to look at. Nice, yeah. Well, the, the cinematographer, those credits you were talking about, those are heavy hitters. He's the goat. Wicked images, cool. I love that yeah. title too. I, I'm kind yeah, of a sucker great. for titles I, that are just sort of I mean, vague like that. Yeah, have you seen any Robert Altman movies? I don't think so. I mean, I I know his name, but I couldn't tell you any movies he's done. No, I mean, he did... I, I already, like, listed a few in that uh, list of, like, Vilmos Zegman movies, but he made, like, the original MASH film in the 70s, and then oh. uh, McCabe and Mrs. Miller, The Long Goodbye, Nashville, which is, like, one of the greatest, like, music films ever made, uh, Three Women, The Player, Shortcuts, uh, Gosford Park in 2001, which is like a a fantastic murder mystery with a insane cast. Um, California Split. Yeah, he's he's easily one of my favorite directors. He made the Popeye movie with uh, Robin Williams. It was a complete flop. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) I wonder if that qualifies for the podcast. Maybe not. If it's just one, I don't know. Depends how badly we want to watch it. I guess. Yeah, he's one of those one of those like Hollywood Renaissance. Uh, directors that's often compared I think he might be one of the movie brats you know like like or or he's he's one of the contemporaries of like De Palma Scorsese Coppola but uh, I think he was more interesting because he took more risks cool wicked images all right awesome um I'll give off one more I think I got one more um this I think is the the gnarliest movie on my list um, it might not be the scariest. It might not might not even be the most unsettling. So I've talked about some movies that really do get under my skin, um, even though there's not really any violence on screen, like Lake Mungo or or Be My Cat. Um, but in terms of sheer R-ratedness, this one is going to take the cake. Um, this is a movie I would love to hear Mitch's take on. It is called uh, Black Christmas from 2019. Are you fucking for real right now? <laughs> Are you serious? No, no, no. no I'm no. going to hang up. No, no, no. <laughs> don't hang up. Okay. Don't hang up. <laughs> uh, but listeners, uh, write into the podcast if you if you want us to do an, an episode of Bla- on Black Christmas 2019. Uh, if you want us to revisit it now podcast. that Mitch is on the pod. I or would quit. Write in. If you, if you don't like Mitch on the podcast, just tell us. Give us money. Say because otherwise maybe we won't listen to you. And say uh, you guys here. This money is so that you guys f- 
have uh, are obliged to do Black Christmas 2019, and then Mitch oh, will man. leave the pod. And I'm, I'm we'll sure fine. many people don't like me on the podcast because I just shit on a lot of movies that people love, and they're like, "I love this movie. This is like my favorite from my childhood." And then they put it on, and I'm like, "Yo, fuck this movie." <laughs> yeah. I feel like a lot of like Corey's friends who just like come in and, and be like, "This is one that like you have to watch," and like I love it, and then it comes across my desk, and I'm like, "Yo, fuck." this movie yeah no so, fuck it put on like it, I've put on a lot of Cody the wrong way. Two. that's a great film what do you what what does that have to do with anything <laughs> that you'll you'll be like fuck this movie from your childhood cody banks 2 is the child it's a masterpiece classic. it's a masterpiece right. yeah I'm, I'm not saying anybody otherwise. who says otherwise can catch these fucking hands <laughs> Okay, uh, no, it's not Black Christmas 2019. Everything else I said applies, though. This movie is very R-rated. Um, it is called The Sadness, and it's the mo- most recent movie on my list. It's from uh, 2021. Uh, this movie is on Shudder. I don't know, I think it was, a, if not a Shudder original, it's, it's, like, it's the place to watch it. Um, it's a Taiwanese movie, The Sadness, from 2021. Cool. And I'm always down for like for Asian horror films. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't seen too many that are, that are out of Taiwan. I, I think I, I might have seen one or two. Um, but yeah, keep going. Yeah, I, I don't think I've seen many either. Um, and this movie makes me wonder what the heck is going on over there. Um, the premise of this movie is uh, a um, some sort of virus has broken out, um, and when it infects people it turns them not quite into zombies because they can still talk and they still kind of have this they seem to have some wits about them like they can they're still like playing games um strolling around so they're they're not they're not mindless zombies they know what they're doing but um this virus does make them compelled or at least they they have the desire to not only kill you violently, but to do the most horrific, violent things any human brain could ever think of. Um, and so the premise here is that while this is happening, we're just we're following uh, a, a man and a woman. A man is trying to uh, get to his girlfriend, who's like across the city, and then together they need to get to. Uh, like a safe point i think it might be Mm. like a a helicopter pad or something like that um so it's it's kind of your your typical zombie sort of premise but again this is not your typical zombie movie in terms of the 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 zombie type characters and also in terms of the violence in this movie i mean i watched this movie when it came out because i was hearing people say this has to be the most violent horror movie ever made mm. um and i mean it, it'd, be, it'd be hard to argue otherwise i, I don't want to get people's expectations too high because i don't know how, how violent of horror movies people have seen um so i'm not going to say with a bullet this is it but you are going to see violent acts in this movie uh that you haven't seen anywhere else you're going to see stuff in this movie uh that makes you think it must be illegal to even think to put that in a horror movie. And these people Damn. did it, and they are showing it. Um, it's on Shudder, no less. It, and it's on Shudder. Um, practical effects here. The the effects are really good. Like, you'll see stuff, and, and you'll think, yeah, if that were to happen, I bet that that's 
that's what it would look like. Um, and it is, uh, it's, it's this sort, it's has this action sort of horrific slant to it. Um, but it also, I think it, it's saying some stuff as well. I mean, this movie came out in the middle of COVID. I don't know if it was shot during COVID. It was, uh, and maybe COVID doesn't even have a middle point. But this movie came out in early 2021, so I don't know if it was shot in 2020. Uh, but even if it isn't, there are all sorts of parallels here that you could apply to um, not just the COVID outbreak, because I don't want to pigeonhole this as a, as a COVID movie, um, but also sort of people's mental state it's sort of it seems to sort of have a commentary on that and it's sort of a look on uh the human mind and and depression and aggression mm. and um the the depths that the human mind can go to um maybe if if some things are are changed you know if, if there's if there's no longer a social barrier or or like a like a physical barrier in your brain if if a few of those things are just shifted what what are people truly capable of um and so all all sorts of that stuff is in there but also i think it's just a really exciting horror movie um as you, you're following this couple and you you want to see them you want to see them get to where they're going and so it's very action-packed very quick and uh if you are up for seeing some violent stuff all the way through uh this is this is a really notable movie the sadness from 2021 what do you think about that mitch damn that sounds really good you know just you coming in hot with it with a taiwanese horror film at the end made me realize that like i like woefully underrepresented international cinema and i feel like i could probably go on for like another 30 minutes just talking about like japanese and korean films <laughs> oh, <laughs> but of course i mean we can we can save that for the next after dark yeah, I mean, we, can ten, ten, we can shelve that if you had 10 horror movies from each of us like that's only a sliver of the places we could go so i feel you yeah i think that's that's a pretty good list for me i mean there there are a few other ones on my list but i don't know if i really need to talk about them a lot of them are better known so we can just leave that there if, if that's all right with you. Is yeah. there anything else you'd like to get off your chest? No, I, I I have a list of movies to watch and I have a list of movies that I'm reminded are awesome. Uh, so this has been really good for me. Do you yeah, want to just... This has been a great exchange. This has been like a gift exchange. I know. Yeah, it sort of does feel that way. I feel like we've just we've made, had a little potluck here. Um, yeah, you've given me a gift. I can't <laughs> wait to, to check some of these out. Cool. Maybe we can update each other on the pod as we go along. Yeah. Like if, if any of us watches these movies, we can just say at the beginning of the app, you know, hey, I, I watched the movie from that After Dark, and this is what I think. Um, do you want to just list off the movies that you said for people? Yes, absolutely. So it was... Let's Scare Jessica to Death, Carnival of Souls, House on Haunted Hill, Hatchet for the Honeymoon, Eyes Without a Face, Theater of Blood, Hour of the Wolf, and Images. Sweet. And you also mentioned the movie The Fan just in passing, and I just I mentioned say, the I, I want to watch I'm, that. I mean, that I sounds awesome. The Fan is, is like, I don't know if you need to see it. <laughs> okay. uh, it's It's interesting in the sense that it's like, I mean, it's Lauren Bacall, and she's kind of old at this point. A lot of people rope it into the, 
you know, into like the exploitation genre, which is a word that I don't like, but or a phrase that I don't like. But when stars like Joan Crawford and Betty Davis and all these people got older in their life, and and I guess in those days they would have been seen as past their prime, a lot of low budget like B studios kind of came around and put them in like sleazier movies. I mean. I did have Straight Jacket on my list. It's a 60s film with Joan Crawford where she plays an axe murderer, right? This, this icon of the silver screen is now playing an axe murderer. I mean, it's uh, it's interesting because they're, they're called exploitation because they just exploit these iconic faces now that they're in old age and make them play <laughs> reprehensible parts for a paycheck. Um, yeah. I had but never heard the, that term before. That's hilarious. Yeah, yeah, there's 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 you know, several several other that's, iconic That's totally a thing. Like um I think of uh Mommy like, like Dearest to Faye Dunaway, though I think she was she was a bit younger in that movie. Yeah, I think. Mommy Dearest would definitely she was be about forty. Yeah, would definitely be a big uh exploitation film. not really a horror film, but I think it reads a bit like a horror film. Yeah. Um Hush Hush, Sweet Char- Charlotte. Um Whatever happened to Baby Jane? Kind of. I mean, that would be on the earlier end of the spectrum. There's a, there's a the Dead Ringer with Betty Davis too, 1964. A great one. Although I don't think in the case of the fan, I feel like Lauren Bacall is maybe more favorably represented in that film than a lot of the other uh, leading ladies of yesteryear are in some of the other ones. Cool, cool. Well, I'm I'm interested. Uh, so that's a little bonus just for me, I suppose. Um, and my list, I, I said, uh, ready or not, triangle, identity, behind the mask, the rise of Leslie Vernon, be my cat, a film for Anne, better watch out, Lake Mungo, the loved ones, and the sadness. So if anyone the checks sadness. out any of these movies, yeah, the sadness, dude. That That's one. Be one I, I have to check out just the idea that it should be illegal to show something because it's so <laughs> fucked. Sure, yeah. And it's on Shutter. Damn. It is on Shutter. Yeah. Yeah. This this has been a very very productive. Uh, they made another one. This feels like really good. Like after dark. Yeah, it feels great. Corey's gonna have to edit this, so uh, maybe we can get Corey to tell us if he uh, is interested in any of these movies at the beginning of next week's episode because he, yeah. he will he will be back. He's doing all right, everyone. Um, uh, we, we joked around, but. Uh, yeah, we said some mean things about him, but he really is a treasure, and we, we miss him dearly. Can't wait. I hope he's back and, and running and well enough for, for next week. We have no idea what... I, oh, wait. No, we do have an idea what we're doing next week, don't we? I retract all, I retract all the nice things I said about him. <laughs> we don't know what we're doing, but we do know how we're getting there. Um, everyone, we are bringing back the William Castle Film Genero. Uh, you'll, you'll hear on the previous episode... Uh, we were planning to do the death on the Nile, or maybe just death on the Nile, right? Death on the Nile Perhaps with our good friend uh, Callum. Yeah, um, and and that couldn't happen because Corey got sick, and so we couldn't all meet in person. And then uh, we were gonna have the guest Callum on, and and that can't happen next week. And so basically, Corey had to had to do a new pick, um, and he decided to opt for the Genero. So the phantom of both Corey and William Castle are now looming large over the end of this episode. Um, and Corey is probably just somewhere wringing his hands like a little fly waiting to hear what the Genero does to us and knowing that we can't do anything about it. So um, I've been keeping a list of all the movies that 
qualify for this podcast since we started the podcast there are about 299 items on the list so far and so what i'm going to do here is i'm going to put 299 in a uh, random number generator it's going to spit out a number and we are going to do whatever that movie is on the podcast next week what do you think about that mitch you don't want to know just (laughs) just do it all right uh in the words of Corey price uh quoting william castle perhaps uh what does he say dude you're so good at doing yeah, things uh, big off money the dome. no skeletons big, big so. money no skeletons maybe yeah. you did do that intro off the dome that's impressive All i right. did do it off the dome <laughs> i'm starting to believe you i'm an actor i memorize things don't ask me to do the outro that's in your hands but <laughs> okay. yeah okay big money uh no skeletons spin 205 is the number okay Good, good mid pull. I feel all right with that. Okay, so right. uh, what we just missed, two hundred and four, was a movie that I should have taken off the list because we actually did an episode on it. Gem and the Holograms. Oh, and, thank and, Christ! And, I don't want to do that one again. Yeah. I mean, I missed that one, you but did. I watched the film and God. Oh. And right above that was Sinister Two. So to be fair, we don't have exactly two hundred and ninety. We got to clean up the genre. My that's God, right. that's, I was saying that yesterday. Uh, the last time we were talking about bringing this back, and you guys were like, "No, it's good. It's full of films. This will never happen." <laughs> but I was right, and I think it's it's actually on record. I'm going to go back and find it. You should find just so it. I can gloat in the group find chat because I I think it was Corey giving you the issue about that, so I'm yeah, okay. It was. With, I'm it was. Okay he was like, it's a tailor made thing of hundreds of films, and what are the fucking odds? <laughs> We're sandwiched right between <laughs> two ones we've already seen. Okay, yeah. So uh, we we just missed that, but what we're gonna do is. Uh, a movie that I actually have an article about open on my phone right now because uh, the director tweeted out an article saying this was his most successful movie, uh, surprisingly enough, because he's had quite a lot of successful films. And uh, he, uh, he, I guess an article was written about how the movie was made. I haven't read the article yet, um, but I, I'm okay with this being spit out at us, Mitch. This mm-hmm. is Ouija, Origin of Evil. Oh, I've heard about this one. Okay. That's a very general pick. It is. And it's also, it's it's a good TMAO pick. I mean, this is a sequel to the movie uh, Ouija, or perhaps I should pronounce it uh, Quiche. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's a deep cut. There's, there's a YouTube video of uh, uh, people... It's just a compilation of like Yahoo answers of people asking what to do with a Ouija board and how to get it to stop and are Ouija boards we- real. But in every every instance, uh, Ouija people don't know how to spell it and it's just spelt terribly wrong. And in, in one case, someone actually just like wrote it as as quiche. They said what to do with a quiche board. Anyway, um, Ouija Origin of Evil. It's a sequel to the the movie based on the. I guess Hasbro board game. I think this was from Hasbro Productions. Um, right. And uh, that movie did not make an impact at all. And then Mike Flanagan, who did Dr. Sleep, he did Gerald's Game. He's now done a bunch of very successful horror TV shows. He came in and, and directed the prequel, uh, Ouija Origin of Evil. Um, so I, I do think it is, is worth a watch for people to follow along. This might be a cool discussion. I look forward to it. Cool. It could have been worse, Mitch. 
I'm breathing a bit of a sigh of relief. Okay. Uh, so thank you once again, everyone, for listening to this episode of They Made Another One After Dark. You can find us all over the internet on Instagram at They Made Another, which is all one word, and on Letterboxd at TMAO. You can find episodes on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, Stitcher Breaker, and everything else as They Made Another One. You can reach us via email at tmaopodcast at gmail.com with recommendations for future episodes, questions, comments, and how badly you missed Corey. Our fantastic thumbnail art is done by Jade Dickinson, who you can find on Instagram at Jade Sketches. You can find me. I guess I should have done this first. This is why we have Corey here. You can find me. Uh, my username is Graham the Mallow on Twitter and Letterboxd. Can we find you anywhere, Mitch? Do you have any plugs? I hate the general. Poor guy. We had such a good episode talking about movies we love, and the ghost of Corey Price came in to ruin it for us. And with all that out of the way, we'll catch you here next week for Quiche Origin of Evil on They Made Another.